It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into your mailbag questions, including can SGA lead the NBA in points per game. Let's talk about it on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Email the show, Thunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel. We're diving into your mailbag questions. Do the Thunder have spacing issues? Who are the swing players for this season? And what's the plan for Davis Bertans? Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to there right now. It's the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 to get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Let's start today's mailbag podcast with that Michael Kennedy, who says spacing seems to be a big issue. Chet Holmgren was bad in summer league at shooting threes. Josh Giddy has not hit in FIBA. Shea is still not taking them. Lou Dort is only good at shooting them in the corner. It seems like teams will sit in the paint and swarm SGA. How can this Thunder team progress? So a lot to get to with this issue. First of all, of course, last year, Shea had to handle a lot of that attention in the paint already. But there's a few issues with just assuming that the spacing will be a big issue next season. Now, it's obvious that the Thunder still need to improve from beyond the arc. That is no um, you know, secret at all. But Chet Holmgren, let's just take it one by one. Chet Holmgren has been a really good three-point shooter at every stage he's played. In high school, he was a really good three-point shooter. Internationally, he's been a really good three-point shooter. In the college ranks, he shot 40%. Last summer league, he shot really well. This summer league was 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 not really an evaluation period for Chet Holmgren. That's not what this summer league was about. It was truly about knocking the rust off and just playing basketball again uh, less than a year after he suffered that Liz Frank fracture, which is a devastating injury. It obviously held him out his entire rookie season. So I don't have concerns about Chet Holmgren's jump shot yet, 
because of the context of when he's struggled, it has only been in that isolated period where he's still getting his legs under him and, you know, he, he hasn't played in a long time. And look, I mean, this guy was draining threes. I saw it at practice, saw it pregame. Like he's draining threes, uh, you know, in shoot around. So he's going to be able to do it in the game as well. So I don't have any concerns about Shut Holmgren shooting the three ball, especially long term, uh, much less this season. So that's number one. Number two with Josh Giddy. Let me preface this with saying, like, obviously everybody is concerned about Josh Giddy shooting just in life, right? Like that is one of, if not his biggest swing skill for his career. Uh, he, he is a sub 30% uh, three-point shooter for his career. Last year, he had a, a good improvement and went up to 32% from three uh, in, in his sophomore season. But I'm not ready to say that he's regressed or isn't going to progress this season based on FIBA. As we've discussed on this show before, with the FIBA three-pointers that Josh Giddy is taking, th- those are not the threes that he will get in the NBA. Th- those are not good looks for Josh Giddy. Now, those are not really within the flow of any sort of offense or that he's 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 being put in position uh, to, to take these catch-and-shoot threes. It, it doesn't have me worried yet because of the context of the misses. But again, I will say, going back to the preface, yes, you're worried about Josh Giddy shooting threes, just in general. But but his, his slide in FIBA is not too concerning because he's not missing in a role where he'll be put into uh, in the NBA. So Lou Dort, uh, only making them from the corner. That's That's factual. Uh, the, the, the hope would be that you relegate Lou Dort to being more of that corner shooter this season, uh, which should improve his overall three point percentage. But yes, that is true. He can only shoot uh, in the corners. He's terrible above the break. Although from the corners outside of his rookie year, he's never shot below 40% in the corner. Here's why I think that the thunder deserve a bit of an open mind from beyond the arc while also recognizing that the thunder will need to improve from three. just, as they continue to progress their team, but they could also see an improvement in that area with this team already uh, because Casey Wallace is a guy who you brought in who shot 40% from three in college until he had a back injury uh, at the beginning of February. Uh, but up until that point, he shot 40% from three, leveled off at 35% post-injury. So he, he projects to be a pretty good three-point shooter. You have Isaiah Joe. We, we know what he can do. You have a more aggressive Jalen Williams, you know, J-Dub to where, you know, his percentage could theoretically fall down a a tad because he's being more aggressive offensively, but overall higher impact from three, I think, than what he even showed his rookie year, which was still very efficient, very good. I think that J-Will is going to be a solid three-point shooter. I think that he's another guy. He shot 40% last year. Can he shoot 40% again? Maybe not, and you could probably bet not, but can he give you 36, 37, 38%? I think that he can. And then you have Mitich, who is going to be asked to be a, a three-point shooter. But like a lot of pressure will be on Casey Wallace, Isaiah Joe, J-Dub, J-Will, and Mitich. A lot of pressure will be there on those guys. And, and, and those guys, are, are if they can handle that pressure and shoot the ball well from beyond the arc, that's what's going to determine how good of a three-point shooter you are in totality. It'll be on, it'll be on the backs of those guys. And then you have, I think, four other guys who can really transform this team if they hit from beyond the arc. Lady Waters, we're going to throw in this group, but number one, he's a fake sharpshooter. Uh, he's a sharpshooter in theory. He's never shot the ball particularly well from three uh, at the level that you would expect him to. He did improve last year on defense. He can still improve this uh, this season, but I'm also going to throw him as a, as a caveat because he's a two-way guy. So uh, you would need to convert him to a standard contract, even play him in the playoffs. So it doesn't really matter what Lindy Waters does. But the guys who can truly swing this is Poku, 
If Poku shoots the three ball like he did in November, then that really elevates you as a team. Usman Jang, if he starts shooting the three ball, that helps you. And then Aaron Wiggins. Those are three guys who, if they can improve, they'll be a staple of their rotation. And especially if they can improve from beyond the arc, they'll improve your overall perimeter offense. So I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet about the, the spacing and the three-point shooting as much as I'm willing to concede that it is an area where they're going to have to get better down the road. I'm not going to say that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. They improved last year uh, as a three-point shooting team from the year prior. Still have Chip England. You still have a, a really good offense that I think will benefit from spacing actually better uh, because of their cutters that put pressure on the rim and the drive and kick factor of SGA. And now you have some guys to throw it out to like, I know the starting five is going to be SGA, Josh Giddy, Dort, Dub, and Chet, but you're you're going to mix and match uh, players as you progress in a single game. And those drive and kick opportunities getting thrown out to Payson and getting thrown out to Isaiah Joe, getting thrown out to uh, Michich, getting thrown out to these guys, it's going to help this team. And, and so I, I think that, yes, it is a priority probably to, to improve your three-point shooting as you continue to go in this rebuild, but I'm not going to say that this year is going to be some horrendous three-point shooting team. I think that they're actually going to improve from last year as a three-point shooting team. And I, and I for sure do not think that they're going to regress as a three-point shooting team from last year. So uh, I think that they'll improve and that they will uh, not not put this criticism to bed because they're going to need to still improve their roster to do that, but it'll get better than what we saw. At Shea Gorgeous, I think that there's a possibility that Dallas Pertans becomes a very competent role player uh, and rotational player for this team. He fits nicely as uh, a key three-point shooter along with the three key slashers and Josh Giddy, J-Dub, and Shea. This is a tough question to tackle in the sense of the your theory, the basis of it, is correct. Bertans' skill set offensively really complements the Thunder and complements how they play. There's a few issues, though. Number one, I think that you can realistically only get away with playing Bertans and having a good taste in your mouth after the game 10 to 12 minutes in a game because of that defensive liability issue with him. And you have a coach who doesn't particularly care for players who have bad defense and, and doesn't like to go to guys in any amount of time that play poor defense. So those two things are conflicting. But, but you know, 10 to 12 minutes a night, do you consider that a key piece in the rotation? Do you not consider that a key piece? He can get hot from three and really help you. Like, he, he you know, you can put him in to a game in a 10-minute segment and he pops off three threes, and, and that can be the difference in winning and losing that night. My, my biggest thing with why I would push back on this just a tad is because while you're correct if we were just going to play a, a play now game of 2k right if we're going to sit down and play 2k with each other not even caring at all uh about the real life version of basketball he does compliment the thunder well and he does fit in and he and i put him in my rotation when 2k drops in a couple of days the thing is though the thunder are going to have to play him in less than 75 percent of games this year no matter how good he is you know even if he turns into a, a really really good player for the thunder you're not going to uh, play him over 75% of games because you want to be able to cut him at the end of next season for $5 million, or you want to be able to use him as a contract to trade and give that team the opportunity to do so um, next season. You're, financially, you're just going to not play him you know, in over 75% of games. So you have to manage that as well and manage um, how you use him in terms of percentage of games played. So all of that to say, as a pure basketball player, I think he can fit into what Muscala did, what Saric did, 
but there are some other qualifiers to where why why maybe he won't play every single night, why maybe he'll be in and out of the rotation, and why maybe um, you know we'll see if he if he even uh, becomes a, a a factor in Oklahoma City. This is a guy that hasn't particularly liked to uh, take a back seat and to uh, be a, a team player, so to say, in reduced roles. Is, is that attitude or mantra going to change with this Thunder team? We've seen it done before with other guys that the Thunder brought in who had that tag on them that all of a sudden in OKC they played nice. We've seen that done before. Will it be, will it be done again with Davis Bertans? We haven't really gotten the answer to that yet, uh, and, and we won't for about a month or so. So it'll be interesting to see, though. And, and again, I think that basketball-wise, you're correct, but there's some other factors in this as well. So we're going to get into more of your questions coming up, including ranking scenarios from most to least likely to happen this upcoming season. But first, I want to tell you right now, our good friends over at FanDuel, FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. Go there right now, and you can turn 5 bucks into 200 This is a great deal. Football season's back. You know, college football starts this week. It started on Thursday. It started last week, really, but still, full slate this week. You're all locked in. You got the Pokes playing, the Sooners playing, the Jayhawkers are playing on Friday. Shout out to Jalen Daniels. Now, you can go to FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. You can make a $5 bet, and whenever you do as a new customer, you're going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Here's the thing, though. Again, new customer, go to Fender.com slash locked on. When you place that $5 bet, let's say on Joe Milton to win the Heisman, because he is going to, then you get the $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. But all customers who bet $5, including you, new customer, who already got the $200, all customers who bet $5 are going to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube or YouTube TV, whichever platform that you're on. And then you can watch every out-of-market game in the, uh, in the NFL. Every NFL game you're going to have access to with that Sunday ticket. It's a great deal. Check them out today by going to Fandor.com slash LockedOn, Fandor.com slash LockedOn right now to get started. Of course, Fandor, the official partner of LockedOn and the NFL. Check them out today at Fandor.com slash LockedOn, Fandor.com slash LockedOn. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball, discussing your mailbag questions on today's show. We're going to be recapping a, a intense second round of this FIBA World Cup. You're going to have Luca taking on Josh Giddy this morning, which will be fantastic theater to follow along with. And, and you had Luca calling Josh Giddy a great player prior to this game tipping off. So let's see how those go out. Of course, the other storyline, Josh Green, his teammate guarding Luca, will be fun. That's going to be a great game. Then you have Team Canada looking to continue to dominate things in the FIBA World Cup. So it's going to be a great day of basketball. We'll recap that for you. Also, next week, we have another another mailbag. So drop any questions that you want next week for this mailbag podcast. And we're going to bring back grade your takes again next week. So drop whatever takes you have, and we're going to grade them on our spicy scale one to five uh, and see where you're at with your takes. So follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles for those two submissions. Also on YouTube, 
uh, comment section. You can drop them down there. You can also text the show 405-963-3686. I'm going to text you rumors and uh, things that we're hearing at Lockdown. And of course, you have a direct line to the show at that point to, to ask any questions. Uh, and you'll also know whenever every episode goes live. So all that to be said, let's get back to the Mailbag Podcast. MK says, rank these scenarios from most likely to least likely to happen next season. So the scenarios go as followed. Chet Holmgren averages two blocks. Josh Giddy is close to 10 assists a game. The Thunder have a top five offense in the NBA. Trey Mann finds his groove again off the bench. So the most likely thing to happen on that list, I think, is Chet Holmgren averaging two blocks. I think that he's going to be a, a shot-blocking machine. I think he's going to go for shot blocks. He's not going to care if he gets posterized. Uh, you know, And on the flip side of that also, as much as he's not going to care to get posterized, he will be posterized sometimes. But also, I think there'll be a guy who kind of hunts blocks as well uh, as a help side defender. And also, just uh, at, at times, it'll lead to him being in a position a little bit going for blocks. But he does a good job of avoiding that altogether. But I think that he'll average you know, close to two blocks. And so if you're, if you're there at that point, you know, can you do it? Can you not do it? Let's, let's put it there at one, uh, you know, but it's a close one because Josh Giddy averaging close to 10 assists. It depends what your, the definition of close is. Uh, last year, he had six. If he just improves that to eight with a better roster around him, is that close to 10? Do we count that as a, as a close to 10 where you win the, win the you know, scenario? If, that, if eight counts as close, we'll flip-flop this in chat with one and two. If you need to be nine or better, uh, I, I like where I'm at right now, but Josh Giddy can absolutely get close to 10, if not 10, uh, with how much better this team has gotten uh, and, and what this team will look like this season, in my opinion. So number three is actually Trey Mann. I think that Trey Mann can find his groove easily off the bench again, you know, no matter where he plays, but in this case for the Thunder, there are a ton of players in the NBA who make a much significant leap, a much more significant leap in year two to three than they did in year one to two. That, that, that happens often in the NBA. Um, that that is a that is a pathway for many players, especially those who are not bona fide stars in this league. To where I, I think that Trey Mann, you know, it, it's more likely than not that he can find his groove because he has the skill set and the ability. Right? As I go back to this same expression or or or, or analogy with Trey Mann, if you if you just watch Trey Mann play basketball, and as the shot is leaving his fingertips, you stop, or as the ball is leaving his fingertips, you stop. You would say, great decision, great space created, great opportunity here, but then the ball just doesn't go in the hoop. And so if, if even that minor thing changes where the ball bounces better for you, and you can call that a tad bit of luck, uh, then all of a sudden he looks like a lot better of a player. So I think that he can find his groove again off the bench, and I think that we forget how young this team is and, and how meteoric this rise has been to where you know last year you're projected to win 24 games, you win – 40, and now this is the most anticipated season since the OK3 year where you traded for Hall of Famer or two with Paul George and Carmelo, plus you had Russell Westbrook and, and the gang. So uh, Trey Mann at three for me for most likely to happen. And then four is the top five offense. Very hard to do. I think they'll get better offensively, but top five is extremely hard to do. They'll play with a, a, enough pace to maybe to maybe uh, inflate the numbers or I guess deflate the numbers to get down to five, but whatever, uh, to, to, to help their offensive numbers. They'll play with enough pace in the regular season to, to get close-ish. But top five is just a, a, a hurdle a bit offensively. If this was top five defense, I'd put that one, honestly. But offense, I'll put it four. Uh, at Walmart Woj, by the end of, the, of, of his rookie season, by the end of this upcoming season, will we be saying that Chet is a better defender than Nick Claxton, Rudy Gobert, Brooke Lopez? So 
better defender, again, defender, not better player, not better contract, not better uh, long-term, better defender. I think that Rudy will still be a better defender than him. I think that Rudy Gobert will still be a better defender than, than Chet Holmgren. I think that Chet will still be better than Nick Claxton uh, defensively. So I have him less than uh, Rudy Gobert, but better than Nick Claxton. My my thing with Brooke Lopez is how are we defining a better defender in the sense of, I don't think that Chet Holmgren will be a worse defender than, than Brooke Lopez. I think that they can be pretty even. Maybe Chet can edge him out, but let's just say for the sake of argument that they'll be fairly even. And if they're even, is Chet leaving? Where if they're even, if, if they're even, do you factor in the fact that Chet's so much younger that you'd rather have Chet than than Lopez? So uh, I, I think they can be better than two of the three. Uh, and, and I'd say it'd be better than Claxton and, and, and Brooke Lopez. But Rudy Gobert is a really special defender for all the other stuff that happens with Rudy Gobert. He's a very special defender. Uh, and I'm not sure that rookie Chet can get there this season. I think that long-term, we can have another discussion. But this season... I think that Rudy Gobert will still be a better defender than Chet Holmgren. And then Walmart, Walmart Woj asks, can Shea lead the NBA in points per game this season? It was only 1.7 points per game off of last year. So yes, he absolutely can. Uh, you know, and, and can is different than will. He can lead the NBA in points per game this year. I think that his life gets easier with the Chet Holmgren edition, with Jada being more comfortable, comfortable being aggressive offensively, with Josh Giddy, you know, you see him improving as a guy who gets to the free throw line and a guy who takes more free throws and also punishes smaller matchups going to the rim. And so you see him getting more comfortable scoring the ball. And then you see Shea and Giddy get more comfortable where, where Giddy's controlling the ball a little bit more and it gets easy cuts and easy buckets for, for SGA, who's played off ball some for Team Canada a little bit during exhibition play. Um, you, you can see where life gets easier and, and the buckets get flowing for SGA this season. So he absolutely can get there. He's only 1.7 off last year, and and the team should have better spacing as we addressed with the first show, I mean, with the first question of the show. But obviously, it's going to be a very thin margin again. I think that once again, you'll see Shea and Luca and Joel Embiid and everyone else in, in, in this conversation, Dame and everyone else, be separated by two or less points. I mean, Shea finished fourth in overall points per game, but he was only 1.7 off of the leader in the clubhouse. He was only 0.3 points ahead of fifth place. He was only, you know, a, a point, uh, a point, point three better than sixth place. So, you know, it, it's going to be tight and it's going to be close, but Shea can lead the NBA in, in, in uh, points per game. So at Jerome asks, can Shea take more threes this year? I, I think he's been taking more threes in FIBA. Can we expect a change to a shot diet this year? So th there's a chance that he'll potentially take more threes. I think it'll still make his money off of rim pressure. So this has been something that a lot of people have taken note of, of Shea taking more threes. I think he's looked more comfortable doing them, um, but the numbers also bear them out that he's taking more of them. So in the NBA last year, Shea attempted 2.5 threes per game. In FIBA so far uh, of the World Cup, he is attempting 3.8 attempts per game from three. Whenever you just include pool play games, it goes down to 3.7, but it's the same number. 3.8 uh, attempts from FIBA from three. In the NBA last year, 2.5. Uh, my most encouraging thing is not necessarily that it's like been a huge addition in, in the sense of uh, three-point percentage to his game, but it's just the, the threat of it and, and, and being more comfortable and getting the shot off smoother this year than he was last year from three. I wouldn't expect an overhaul in his, in his shot diet, 
Uh, but another attempt to game, uh, you, you can probably see that happening. Uh, but I think that he's he he really is such an efficient player and is and is so good at getting to the rim and so good at stopping on a dime and getting an open mid-range shot uh, that the addition of a three ball might be put on the back burner a little bit. But as I mentioned before, if you play more off of Josh Giddy, you're playing more off ball, that can get you catch and shoot three-point looks, which is a little bit of what, he does, what he's done for Team Canada. Uh, and you just have an, a whole new world out there for you. So that's where I'm at with SGA and his three-point attempts. Coming up, who was the swing player for the Oklahoma City Thunder this season off the bench? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Triple Double Ask, which bench player do you think has to perform the best in order to have the best possible season? So if Usman Jang plays to his potential, plays to his ceiling, it completely changes the season that the Thunder are going to have. At that point, you would have a 6'11 versatile defender who's a good three-point shooter, who's a good playmaker, who's great at the rim uh, and a really valuable cutter, and a guy who we saw you know, last season have a possession where he bullied Steph Curry on the perimeter and didn't get blown by, didn't get you know stepped back on or anything else. He, he, he held his own against Steph Curry in certain moments. If he hits that ceiling and can, and can play that for a longer stretch of games and a longer stretch in games, and of course is playing at that level that you drafted him at um, you know, in the lottery last uh, you know, a draft ago, at that point, it changes what you can do. It changes what you can do in the sense of your depth on your lineup, obviously. But but it also changes what you can do in the sense of mixing and matching like starters. Like it, if you can tell me that you have a 6'11 guy who can defend one through five in a pinch, who can shoot the three ball really well, who can play make and run the break for you and rebound, who can be a good cutter and a great rim finisher, you have that guy and, and you're starting to describe the perfect power forward next to Chet Holmgren. And then you slide up J-Dub to the three and then you have Giddy at the two, and then you have Shea at the one, and you have this ultra-lengthy, ultra-talented uh, you know, lineup. And that might not necessarily start games for you, but it'll eventually be played if, if Usman Jang is, is at his potential next year. It'll eventually be a lineup that you rely on a little bit um, in the course of a game. It's where that gets really scary for other teams. So it, what, what it does for you and how it unlocks you know, Mark's ability to go through the Rolodex of players if Usman Jang can play even close to his ceiling, which are all those things we listed out, then that does make your season the best possible season it can be next year, in my opinion. Who is Justin Kaz asked, how are you liking the FIBA refs? Would you like it in the regular season? I think players are complaining less and it's refreshing. So I do think that players are complaining less in the sense of in the course of play. Like during a play where there's no stoppage, Guys aren't hanging in the backcourt, throwing their arms up and, and, and yelling at refs. They're getting back. They're, they're, they're playing uh, more than 
not, uh, you know, more than not. And it happens uh, a lot more where they're complaining during plays in the NBA than it does in FIBA. In FIBA, they're more so waiting for dead balls and then uh, yelling at officials. And officials seem to have uh, more of a, a pulse on how to limit the complaints versus NBA refs. I think that the NBA refs maybe let it get away from them at times. Uh, and it's kind of been NBA refs are kind of just worse at this. Like they're worse than FIBA refs at managing a game and the temperaments of a game. They either go too extreme where you throw a pop out in the first minute because he looked at you wrong or uh, too lenient where guys are just complaining and not playing defense at all and not, and not running the floor at all. I think that FIBA has a much better control of the temperament of the game than NBA refs. But I think that in the terms of just actual officiating, officiating is really hard. And especially with the best, most elite athletes in the world, it's hard to get every single call right. And there has been some big mistakes from FIBA refs, just like there's big mistakes from NBA refs. And so like night in and night out, if you're watching FIBA guys officiate games every single night for over 80, you know, 82 games for every single team, that you would find flaws in them just as, just as you found flaws in NBA refs. But ultimately, they're both really, really good at their job. It's just an incredibly hard job to do. So I, I think that the compliment I would give the FIBA refs is at times it feels like they, that they can let the game get a little bit more physical than the NBA, but also the more important uh, kind of kudos to the FIBA refs is their control of player temperament uh, that we've seen a little bit in FIBA. Uh, I need your help on this one in the comments as well. At Get Money 405, compare OKC players to superheroes. I have only seen one superhero movie in my entire life, and that was the original Fantastic Four. Great movie, but that really limits me in comparing Thunder players to superheroes. And uh, I'm going to rely on you guys to do this, and I'll trust you. So don't don't jack me around here. I'm trusting you. I'm putting my faith in you that you're going to tell me the right answers for Thunder players into superheroes. I just can't do that for you. That's the one area where I come up short for your Thunder content. Uh, C. Mitch leaves us with this. It's a spicy take, which gives us a perfect segue into, hey, we're going to grade your takes next week. So do what C. Mitch is doing here. Drop your take, and I'll grade it just like this on next week's show. You can do that on YouTube, Locked on Thunder. You can do that on Twitter, at Ryland underscore Styles. You can do that on the text line, 405-963-3686. C. Mitch, the take is, SGA joins the 50-40-90 club while averaging 27 points per game and finishing top three in MVP. So let's break it down. This year, SGA, 31 points per game. He was in the 51-34-90 club, fifth in MVP voting. I'll give it a three peppers because jumping from 34 to 40% from three is a bit of a jump, but everything else is realistic. The points per game, realistic. He was fifth in MVP voting last year, and the Thunder could stand to have another you know, five, six, seven win total jump, and that'll all be on the back of SGA to where if he can hit 40% from three and the Thunder play up to where they're winning, you know, six or seven more games than they did last year at 40, um, then yes, Shea will absolutely be top three in MVP voting. That that will absolutely be the case. Because if you jump up from a 40-win team to like a 47-win team, and you're in the 50-40-90 club, and you're the leading scorer and the leading player on that squad who who still is being projected in the play-in tournament, and at that case, you know, at 47 wins, you'd likely uh, be in an official playoff series. I think that he would finish top three in MVP voting at that point. He was top five last year. So that's my grade. Three peppers out of five. Five being in the most outlandish take I've ever heard. One being really just calm take. This is three, but just because the three-point percentage will be hard to get to 40. Uh, but he was close. He was close last year. 
So leave more like this on Twitter and in the comment section down below. We're going to be back to recap FIBA games and also uh, next week with another mailbag, another grader take, and everything else we're going to talk about with Thunder content. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Less than a month away. Actually, a month and a day away as you're hearing this from Media Day. So it'll be a lot of fun until tomorrow. Be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 